Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. We're currently in a series called Kingdom Culture. To be a Christian is to be a subject of the kingdom of God. What does it take to be in this kingdom? How should we live? What does Jesus have to say about this kingdom? Today, Duncan continues our series by telling us that it is healthy to bow. Spiritual authority is not just in those above us, but also in those around us. This message was recorded on October 21st, 2021 at the McKee Lecture Hall at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are. Leave as a new creation. We like announcements. All right. Uh, take it away. Thanks, Ashley. Why are you standing so far away? Because I'm so far oh, away. I'll come to you then. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right. Well, if you're a guy, just plug your ears because you really don't want to be to this because this isn't your fun. <laughs> um, but if you are a lady, this weekend um, in two days we're having fallen to fall. be a lot of fun it's true there is going to be baby cows there a lot of adult cows but it's going to be a lot a lot of fun um if you don't know where the address is look in our instagram page and it's posted on there of where it's going to be at so just um look at that on instagram but yeah it's going to be a lot a lot of fun um we're going to take a lot of cute pictures because that's what girls do so <laughs> It's going to be fun. The after party, it's BYOP, bring your own pumpkin. And, yes, we're going to have hatchets and baseball bats, and we're going to smash pumpkins. Heck, yeah. Okay. Uh, November 6th. Guys, you can unplug your ears now. It's going to be man night. Yes. Uh, Apparently, you will all be shirtless, eating raw fish. Uh, I haven't really been clued in on what's actually happening, but that's okay because it'll be all of you together doing manly things. So just make sure you show up. It's going to be at GFA in the basement uh, at 7 o'clock. So go. Do it. Do the thing. Huh? Oh. All right. Next announcement is we is, we is, we We are having missions week coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah. You guys, this is going to be awesome. We are going to be having a guest speaker come and speak at our missions night. His name is Kyle Volkmer, who is a guest missionary. I actually heard this past week, too, that he was Duncan's college roommate. So that's pretty cool. But, yeah, please come to that. We're going to be having events, and we'll talk about that in the upcoming weeks. But we're going to have events um, every day of the week, um, except Fridays. But, yeah. Be sure to stick around for that because it's going to be a blast. Yeah. We're also announcing our trips that night. Yeah. So, yeah. You don't want to miss that night. Um, oh, yeah. So, missions night. I think that was included. Okay. Um, also, we are having a uh, after-grad luncheon. Yes. So, if you are a junior, a senior, 
uh, a super senior, or if you are in the workforce, you're not a student, but you're in the workforce, and you want to learn about options that are available to you, come to this luncheon. There's going to be free food. Uh, we're going to have some guests who are going to talk about what it's like to look or to work in ministry, uh, what it's like to support raise, and then also we're going to have some guests from Denver who's going to talk about uh, what it's like to make disciples in the workplace as well. Uh, so please, please come to this. It's going to be at the Vineyard Church. And um, please scan that QR code if you want to RSVP. That way we know how much food to buy and stuff. So do that. Um, great. So uh, we're going to do offering tonight. Woo! Yep. And we say this every week, but in case you've missed the last couple of weeks, offering is to go towards the things that we do for you. So events, uh, fall into fall, smashing pumpkin things. Um, we're able to do that when you give to our offering. So please give, and we're just going to pray over that. So if everyone can uh, pray with me. Lord, just thank you for um, the chance to give. God, we know and we recognize that everything we have is from you, that it belongs to you, and um, our role is just to steward what you have given us. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would um, just speak to our hearts if we are to give and what amount and just help us to be obedient and joyful in our giving. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So we have QR codes. You can give lots of different ways. Just read the slide. Scan now. Scan, Scan now. it now. Scan it now. <laughs> All right, guys, next up, so we've been doing weekly testimonies every week. Last week, you guys heard from Lori, a really awesome testimony. This week, um, you're going to hear from our very own Jaden Howell. Hey, guys. Um, so a lot of you know me. I've been here for a while, um, kind of connected. If you don't know me, please say hi. I love people. I'm an extrovert. Um, well, anyways, so I, uh, my story might be kind of like a lot of your guys's. I don't know, um, everybody's story, but I grew up in the church. Um, I was surrounded by, you know, worship, like a lot of what we're doing right now, worship, sermons, all that stuff. And I kind of became like, uh, numb to that actually. Like I was just so surrounded by, I was just like, yeah, it is what it is. It was just a routine. And, you know, sometimes it still is. That's a struggle for me actually to kind of break the cycle of that routine. Um, but, uh. I grew up around a lot of this, and it was just, uh, it wasn't really meaningful to me. Um, until I graduated high school, I went into a pretty big depression pit. Um, I found myself sad all the time. I, you know, once you leave high school, you didn't have to go to church anymore. I'm just on my own, you know, doing whatever I want. And so there was a really big uh, time of depression. And uh, I actually got invited to the first Chi Alpha we had here on campus. And... Um, I got connected. That was awesome. Uh, I learned what brotherhood was. I learned that I was missing something in my life there, um, bro both brotherhood and discipleship. I, I was being discipled for the first time in my life, and it was, it was great. Um, so I, I figured out within Chi Alpha that it's not about uh, what we do. It's about who we do it with, and that is God. Um, and so my life has been changed, and uh, just happy to say I, I rededicated my life to God in Chi Alpha. And, uh, yeah, my life wouldn't be any any better than it is right now. Wow, that was awesome. Thank you, Jaden. Yeah, 
right, guys. Well, coming up next, I see it like we're doing like commercials. Coming up. Um, but <laughs> we're going to be doing honor bombs like we've been doing every week. So I want to invite Parker and Katie Chapman down up here, pretty please. I guess I'm going first. Uh, um, yeah, apparently I got talking to the mic. Um, so this is kind of hard for me. Um, I would really love to just honor you all, um, but uh, you guys are amazing people. This this whole community, it's been an amazing. Something's weird with this mic. Um, but um, I just, I love you all. You guys are amazing people, and I wish I could just honor you all. And I am going to honor you all as just how you are. Um, but tonight I will be honoring um, Jacob Peck. Um, you really welcomed me into your small group and heard out my story um, in a very meaningful way to me. Um, and I'm just incredibly honored to know you now, uh, especially on a more personal basis, and just being able to have you teach me so much. Um, I appreciate how you call me out on my BS sometimes, and that how you um, teach me. And I have learned so much, and it just helps me become um, more knowledgeable and just a better person, I feel like. Um, uh, yeah, 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 well, I don't know, clap, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Lord Deltoid, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and I just see you as an incredible leader, and I feel like that is um, how God is kind of using you, is making you into this incredible leader. Um, who can call people out on their BS and also just um, teach them in beautiful ways. And I just really appreciate that. Also, Lord Deltoid, big fan. a microphone before. Is this good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to break the rules and double honor. My bad. Um, so this person just kind of like slid their way into being a really important person in my life, and I am so much better for it. So Destiny, I'm really grateful for you. <laughs> Second Corinthians 6, 6 says, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. Destiny exemplifies literally all of that. The one thing that really sticks out to me is sincere love. Destiny can have tears in her own eyes and still look at me and ask what I need. 
I think it's really easy to forget how much of a strength that is. It takes so much courage to put your own heart on the line for the sake of others, and she does it over and over again. Destiny, you love the way Jesus meant for us to. You keep us entertained with your fun facts of the day, and the joy you radiate just fills the room. I pray that you never forget how loved, appreciated, and honored you are by so many people. I love you. Uh, that's just amazing. Okay, well, thanks, guys, for honoring. Um, so I'm going to introduce our speaker for the night. It's Woo! the one and only. <laughs> it's Duncan Chance. Yeah. Oh, you did. Oh, man. <laughs> man, that that's awesome. By the way, I thought it was so awesome. There was a shout out to Lord Deltoid. <laughs> If you, if you don't know that reference, ask somebody, because that was amazing. I haven't heard that in a while. Seriously, that was awesome. <laughs> well, welcome to Chi Alpha. Good to see you. Good to see some new faces. Um, faces I haven't seen before. Faces I haven't seen in a while. It's good to see you guys. Um, we are in week number nine, if you can believe it, of... of uh, Chi Alpha. We're actually on week eight of our series, Kingdom Culture. And uh, ha have you guys just really been like soaking this series up? Man, this, this has been awesome. I think that I've learned something like every week. I'm like taking notes. I'm like going back and re-watching it on YouTube, listening to it on the podcast, by the way. And, and just like, man, I'm just like, man, how did I miss that? And I'm like re-listening re and stuff. Um, I want to do a quick recap of everything we've talked about so far. So you remember the second week we're we were together, we started this series and we talked about the king. You remember? Kingdom culture. We're talking about what does it take to be in the kingdom of God. If you are in the kingdom of God, what should your life look like? Right? If you're a subject of the kingdom of God, what should your life look like? So, so the first, first part we talked about the king and how Jesus is not just your savior, but he's your Lord, right? He gets to call the shots. He's the boss, right? We, he is the only one that's worthy of our worship, right? That was a great, great night. The, the next night we talked about the cost. You remember that? And like when you lay down your life for Jesus, it's going to cost you something. If it hasn't cost you something, you need to get your money back, okay? Week three, we talked about transformational love, right? And we talked about how when Jesus' love comes into your life, you are, tr you are changed. You're transformed. You're not left the same. You should look like a different person than you did before, right? Week four, we talked about abiding. We talked about remaining in Jesus. We talked about letting, having a mind in love with God and how you start to see everything through a kingdom lens, right? Um, uh, week five of this series, we uh, Ashley talked about holiness, how God has called us to be set apart. You should look different than the world, right? You shouldn't look like the world. You should look different from the world. If the world is doing it, do the opposite, Okay. Um, week six, we talked about forgiveness, 
Remember that? Peter talked about that. It was our first night in here, and he talked about how uh, if, you, if you have put your trust in Jesus, your past can be wiped away. You can be forgiven of your sins. And then finally, last week, Samantha talked about honor. Do you remember that? How we are a culture of honor. And by the way, she just dropped this fat bomb about gossip, right? And she talked about how like that is destructive. And when we gossip about each other, we're actually dishonoring the Lord, right? And man, after last week, there should never be any gossip ever again in Chi Alpha, right? Like we, we should have totally repented of that last week. Okay. Now, as we move forward, we're going to get into some meteor stuff. Even meteor stuff is going to be awesome. Um, so I hope that you've grown. Tonight, we're going to talk about a, a pretty fascinating subject. I think it's a subject that's often misunderstood. It's, an, it's a subject that's often abused in the church world. Okay, um, And if you are a Christian, it is so important that you rightfully understand what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, both the Old and the New Testament talk about this subject, and it is simply this. It is healthy to bow. It is healthy to bow. So open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 24. We're going to be the Old Testament tonight. 1 Samuel 24. If you don't have it, I'll have it on the screen for you. Now, before we read our scripture tonight, I want to kind of give some background on what's going on in 1 Samuel. Um, lift your hand up if you've never read 1 Samuel before. Okay, a few of you guys never read 1 Samuel. This is an amazing book. I recommend reading it. I always thought 1 and 2 Samuel would make a great like blockbuster trilogy. And I wish someone would do it. Not like some modern take on it, but the actual story. I just think it would be awesome. Um, now, what, what is the scene that we're looking at? We're looking at an exchange between King Saul of Israel and David. We're looking at this really interesting exchange between the two. Um, Saul, the king, he was a man who was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the first king of the united Israel. Um, it's also interesting to note that Israel was never meant to have a human king. They were never, they were never meant to, to have a human king. Their only king was supposed to be God. God was supposed to be their king. But Israel wanted to look like the world. We just already talked about that tonight. Israel wanted to look like the world, and so they demanded they have a human king. And so God gave them a king through this man, Saul. And he had been anointed by the prophet Samuel, meaning he had authority to be king. However, Saul was not a good king. He was an evil king. It's interesting theologically to think about that Israel wanted a king, so God gave them an evil king. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that hilarious, actually? <laughs> oh, you want a king? All right. <laughs> I'm going to give you a jerk <laughs> to be a king, right? Um, however, once, once Saul was showing himself to be this evil king, then, then a new person was anointed be, to be the future king of Israel, and that was this young shepherd boy named David anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the, the future king. However, in the scene that we're going to read, David is not king yet, and Saul is still king. And there's this really interesting scene where they interact with each other, and I will look at that tonight. To read the scripture tonight, I want to invite up a couple of my closest brothers. Y'all welcome up, Jay, uh, Jeff and O'Burke. Let them come on up. Give them a hand. Jeff, 
They're gonna, we're going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read the whole chapter. So I'm going to have them kind of alternate verses to keep you awake, okay? Now, the story is good enough to keep you awake, but I, I realize some of y'all's attention span is like 30 seconds. So this is going ch- to switch it up. So you guys say it, say it like a prophet, okay? You guys say it like a prophet. Is this on? Okay. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> That's right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm here all day. <laughs> all right. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes, some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now is your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. And Saul had left the cave and gone on his way. David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day can you see or can this very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true for the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave some of my men told me to kill you but I spared you for I said I will never harm the king he is the Lord's anointed one look my father or look my father at what I have in my hand it is a piece of the hem of your robe I cut it off but I didn't kill you this proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting, hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, for evil people comes evil deeds, so you can see I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate, and he will rescue me from your power. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back, Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry, and he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you did not do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when that happens, you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. So David promised this to Saul with an oath. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went back to their stronghold.
Yeah, y'all give it up. Woo! <laughs> Kept your attention, right? Kept my attention, that's for sure. Wouldn't that make like an awesome movie scene, by the way? <laughs> you see what happened? That was amazing. Um, so interesting story we read, right? So here we have Saul, who's informed that David is hiding in this cave, right? And, and he, he believes, Saul believes that David is a threat to his throne, right? He's like, I'm just going to kill this guy because I want to keep my throne. So he gets 3,000 troops, and he goes to this cave, and he's, he's like, we're going to kill this guy. But then all of a sudden, what happens? Nature calls, right? It was, remember that? It said he, Saul went into the cave to relieve himself, right? I don't know which one, but he went into the cave to relieve himself. And so he has his back turned to David. What does David do? Like, his, his, David's friends are like, oh, my God, it's Saul. Like, like, right now you could kill him. He doesn't even know we're here. You could kill him. And so David walks up and cuts a piece of his robe off, right? And then the Lord convicts him. And he doesn't go through with what his friends are telling him to do. He doesn't go through with what his own logic is telling him to do. He simply just cuts off a piece of this, this robe. And um, so David has this amazing opportunity to end the evil reign of Saul and to become a good king to God's people. However, David does not take matters into his own hands. Right? He instead thinks about the Lord. So before we get into the meat of tonight, I want to establish something. By this point in the semester, we're going to start to get into some pretty heavy stuff. We call it spiritual meat, okay? So there comes a point where in your Christian walk, you've been drinking spiritual milk, and it's real easy to digest, it's easy on your stomach, and every, you just feel happy all the time. All of a sudden, God asks you to pick up a fork and a knife and start eating some meat, okay? Now, spiritual meat is not always easy to eat. It's not always easy to digest, but God is calling you to grow up, all right? So we're going to get into some spiritual meat tonight, okay? Spiritual meat. Like last week, Samantha, like, served us steak, right? <laughs> I'm sitting there going, dang, <laughs> Someone's going to leave, <laughs> you know, someone's going to walk out in anger, right? So if you're taking notes, you can write down this first point. Well, here's the meat. We're going to start to eat some meat tonight. You can write this down. Humility is a sober sense of reality. Humility is a sober sense of reality. You can also write this down. God is God and I am not. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Altar call, worship team, come back up. <laughs> God is God, and I am not. Now, did you notice in what we just read the humility that David displayed before Saul? Did you notice his humility? David could have ended the life of Saul immediately, and David could have taken his rightful place that he had been anointed for, that he had been promised this king, this throne of Israel. However, he decided to spare the life of Saul. In a moment where David could have put his plans first, he decided to put God's plans first. God is God and I am not. David's closest brothers were egging him on to take advantage of this moment and kill this evil king and take his rightful throne. In a moment when David's closest brothers were telling him what to do, David put God's plans first. God is God and I am not. 
Okay, so 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what does it mean to be prideful and what does it mean to be humble? Now, I know that we've talked about this in Chi Alpha before, but to be prideful is to put yourself first. That's what it means to be prideful. To think about yourself before everybody else. It is to be a narcissist. That is what it means to be prideful. And to be constantly obsessed with yourself. That's what a narcissist is, right? They're always obsessed with themselves. That is a person who is prideful. Guys, this is our culture right now. This is the Western United States culture. It's almost entirely, I, I don't know if I wanted to say this, but I think I'm going to say this. It's almost entirely what social media is. It's an outlet for narcissism. Right? Now, I'm not telling you you're evil because you have whatever, Instagram. I've got one too, right? But it is an outlet for narcissism. In fact, they just, did you see like Mark Zuckerberg before Congress? Or, or no, it wasn't him. It was like some whistleblower that was talking about how much social media adds to poor mental health. Like, like it, it adds to depression. It adds to suicide. This root of pride is destructive. We love looking at ourselves, right? We love thinking about ourselves. And it's not just love for self that's pride, but pride can also manifest in a hatred for self. I, I want to be careful as I say this, but pride can manifest itself as hatred for self because the self is still at the center of that. Do you understand? Like, it's narcissism. To be prideful is to put your thoughts and your plans and your obsessions about yourself before everybody else. And pride is the root of all sin. When you sin, you're choosing to put yourself and your values before God's values. You're deciding what's right and wrong instead of letting God decide what's right and wrong. When you rebel against God's laws, your pride takes over. You know what God says is right and wrong, and instead you choose to say what is right and wrong. This is pride. Like, for instance, when you steal, you are refusing to trust that God is your provider, and instead you take that, that job of provision into your own hands, and you become the provider. Do you, see how, do you see how that's prideful? Like when you lie, lying is a sin, but when you lie, you are telling God, God, I don't trust you to be my advocate. I want to be my own advocate. I want to be my own defender, right? And you become prideful. You become a narcissist. When you commit sexual sin, you are telling God, you say, God, I don't trust that you're going to give me an incredible marriage with an incredible sex life. Instead, you are taking that into your own hands and saying, I am the Lord of this. That is narcissism. It's all pride. This is why Satan was cast out of heaven. Satan was cast out of heaven because he prided himself over the throne of God. I mean, apparently he was a beautiful angel. And he thought himself so beautiful that he was going to ascend himself above the throne of God. 
And it was Satan's pride that got him cast out of heaven. Now, it's easy to be prideful nowadays, isn't it? Like Samantha kind of alluded to this last week. I remember the slide. But it was like, live your truth. You know, she had all those like sayings up there. Like, live your truth, live your life. You do you, right? And there's so much pressure on social media to like put your best face first, right? So people don't know the real you. They want to know a fake you. Um, it's so much pressure, and it's all pride. Humility is the opposite of that. Humility is knowing who God created you to be and find, finding satisfaction in that. Let me say it again. Humility is knowing who God created you to be and resting in that. Right? When you are humble, you don't constantly obsess about your well-being. The humble person rests in the knowledge that you are called God's son or God's daughter. And when you are humble, you never obsess about what others think about you. A humble person puts their plans on hold to make sure God's plans happen. The humble person looks out for others above themselves to make sure that their needs are taken care of before themselves. So C.S. Lewis said this. He, he said it perfectly. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Right? Isn't that good? Do you obsess about yourself? Then I want to challenge you to ask God to humble you. <laughs> now that is a scary prayer, but it is so good for you. Will you allow God to humble you? To be humble is to let God take control of your life. To be humble is to allow God to sit on the throne of your heart. To be humble is to allow God to make your life plans instead of you making your own. To be humble is to put God's agenda before your own agenda. God is God and you are not. So why are you trying to be the Lord of your own life? Why are you trying to control your future? God knows you better than you know yourself. He is more qualified to make your life decisions than you are. Why wouldn't you let him? He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your struggles. He knows your strengths. Will you let him lead your life? You can put this up there, Caleb. Will you relinquish control of your future and entrust an unknown future to a known God? So David displayed humility in that he knew that Saul was evil and that God was going to make himself David king one day, but he dare not lift his hand against God's anointed. Instead of listening to his friends, instead of listening to his own logic, he submitted himself to God's timing and God's plans. So, humility is a sober sense of reality. You can put these other, Caleb. Proverbs 3.34 says, The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. Proverbs 18.12 says, Pride goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. You see, when you are humble, you will never be jealous of your brother or sister in Christ. If you are humble and you see that their small group looks funner than yours, you will be joyful in the fact that they have a fun small group and you will find rest in that. 
You small group leaders in here, you'll, if you're humble, you'll never be jealous of somebody else's small group. Instead, when you see a small group that you think is better than yours, it's probably not, but if you think it's better than yours, you will find joy in the fact that they have an amazing small group because you're not thinking of yourself. So we got humility. I think we got humility. That's the foundation we're going to build the house on tonight. We have to have humility. And that brings us to point number two. Point one was humility is a sober sense of reality. God is God and I am not. Point two is this. It is healthy to bow to Jesus. It is healthy to bow to Jesus. You can also write this down. Stop looking for your calling and obey God. Spiritual meat. Let's have another steak. Stop looking for your calling and just obey God. Now, for the next several minutes, I want to talk about something that has really been bothering me. If I step on your toes or if I offend you, it's not my intention to make you angry, but it is my intention to challenge you. And please know that everything I'm about to say is out of love for God and out of love for you. Everything I'm going to say is in love. What I'm about to say might be familiar to my, my pack guys, my, my, my small group guys, because they've been with me for years and they've heard me say this a million times. But don't check out because maybe the Lord is speaking to you too. Your calling is not as important as you think it is. Yikes. <laughs> the room just got quiet. Your calling is not as important as you think it is. In fact, I'm going to say this. In the Western church, in the United States, we tend to idolize our calling. We tend to idolize it. If you can think back to August, our very first Thursday night together, um, this semester I shared with you my testimony. And some of you may have not been with us, but for those who are here, do you remember I shared like my high school picture? Do you remember that? Yesterday, Ashley already said this, but uh, yesterday I celebrated my 20th spiritual birthday. 20 years with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, on October 20th of 2001, I gave my life to Jesus as a freshman in college. Um, and it's been an incredible 20 years. I, I wouldn't give any of it back for anything in the world. This is not to say that my life has just been incredible since then. It doesn't mean that because I've been saved for 20 years, it doesn't mean that everything has gone right it doesn't mean everything has gone according to what I wanted to see happen. But again, I wouldn't trade a moment of it for anything. When I was a young Christian, I was very concerned about honoring the Lord with my life. I still am. But I was very concerned that I, any, whatever I do in life, I want to make sure that it's what Jesus wants me to do. Right? And, and that's a good thing. Um, when it came to like making plans for the future... I wanted to make sure that it was God's plans for my life and not my own plans, okay? Um, now, this led to a lot of insecurity in my life because I wasn't sure if the plans that I was making for my life were necessarily God's plans. Maybe some of you here are, are kind of going through this right now, like, man, I'm getting close to graduation. I've got, I've got like a career I got to think about, but Lord, I want to make sure it's what you want me to do, right? And that's a, that's a good thought to have. But I started to obsess about this. I didn't want to accidentally do the wrong thing and be outside of God's will for my life. 
Lord, I want to do, I want to glorify you with my life, but Lord, I want to make sure that it's what you want me to do, and I'm not just thinking that it's a good thing. I would literally lose sleep over this thought, and I would worry about it, that I would somehow end up outside of God's will for my life. Like if I chose a a profession to go into or a career, and it wasn't what God had for me, like I was so afraid to do that, right? And I would often stay up at night, and I would cry out to God, put, uh, put this question up there, I would say, Lord, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? What I was doing was I was trying to find a calling in my life. Lord, what is my calling? Lord, what are you calling me to? Now, show of hands, just be honest. Have you ever dealt with this? Okay, like most of us, yeah. Maybe you're dealing with this right now. Later on in my spiritual walk, this desire to make sure I was in God's will started to become overwhelming. I was starting to become obsessed with making sure I knew what my life's calling was. Now that obsession started to become an idol in my life. Do you see how I am at the center of that? Do you see how obsessing about your life's calling puts you at the center of that? Do you see how obsessing about your life's calling is prideful? It's actually self-centered in nature. You see, when we obsess about our calling, when we obsess about what we're going to do for God, we put ourselves on the throne. When we obsess about ourselves, it's prideful, but we dress it up to look like it's a, it's a religious, godly, good thing by saying the Lord's will or the Lord's calling, but it's still prideful. So I want to put forth this challenge tonight. Caleb, put this up there. Instead of being concerned with finding your calling, be concerned with obeying God's commands. Let me say it again. Instead of being concerned with finding your calling, be concerned with obeying God's commands. I want to be concerned now with whether I'm being obedient to God or not. You may say, Duncan, that sounds like the same thing. It's completely different. It isn't so much about what he's calling me to, or it isn't so much about what he's calling me to do. It's about obeying what he's already told me to do. There's a big difference there. It isn't so much about what he's calling me to do. It's about obeying what he's already told me to do. That should be my obsession. The idea of finding your calling in life is not really found in Scripture. I can't find a story about some dude obsessing about his calling in life. It isn't there. This is a Western church idea. This comes from the West. And we have just done what we do best, and we dress it up with a cross, and we say it's of God. But that's not godly. But if we were to be biblical about this, we shouldn't be looking for our calling. We should be concerned with obeying what we've already been told. So what has Jesus told us to do? If you are a person that knows your scripture, you will be able to answer this. But let me say this. If you don't have a Devo life, if you don't read your Bible, you won't know how to answer this question. And I can't help you, but I'm going to attempt to tonight, okay? So... (laughs) Let's go through some of the things that Jesus has already told you to do. This isn't Duncan. This isn't Kyle, but this is what Jesus has told you to do. Mark 1.15, Jesus says this. 
The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. (laughs) That is a commandment of Jesus. This isn't like my life's calling. No, this is a commandment that Jesus has told you to do. Jesus commands us to repent. What does that mean? That means turn from our sin. Turn from our old life. Jesus calls us to stop doing what we were doing. And then he says, believe the gospel or believe the good news. That's a commandment of Jesus. We should be obsessed with, uh, with obeying that command. When I read this, I want to obsess whether or not I have repented of my sin or not. Right? Because he's commanded me. If you are lost tonight, like you're sitting here with us and we love that you're here. You're one of us. But if you are not a Christian tonight... This is especially for you. Repent, turn from your old life, and believe the good news. Um, now, if, you're, if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus has a lot to say to you as well. John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. You see, when Jesus says, keep my commandments, we have a choice. You will either keep his commandments or you will rebel and you will not keep his commandments. You're just, you're just faced with that choice. Duncan, what are you saying? I can't do that. I can't keep his commandments. Why? Well, because it's too hard. Because I mess up all the time. Ah, you see, God is not calling you to be perfect. Speak it, that's right. <laughs> God is not calling you to be perfect. God is not calling you to never mess up. God is calling you not to rebel. We know that nobody is perfect. We know that we all fall short. This is biblical. But the question is, are you rebelling against what God says is right? There's a difference between messing up and falling short and rebellion. That's something completely different. Now, please hear me. I'm not telling you that if you're a Christian that you'll never mess up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if you're a Christian that you are now perfect in everything. I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is that a rebel is somebody who willingly rebels against what God has told them. It says, God, you are not my God. I am my own God. And I will do what I want. 1 John 2, 3 says, by this we can be sure that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Again, please, please hear me. I'm, I'm not telling you that every time you mess up that you have to get resaved or something. We don't believe in that. We don't believe in a works righteousness. So please don't leave tonight thinking that Duncan says I can't mess up or I'm not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you are rebelling against what you know is right, I'm going to ask you, do you actually love Jesus? Have you actually made him the Lord of your life? C.S. Lewis says, man is not simply an uh, imperfect creature who needs to be improved. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. So if Jesus is truly the king of your life, you will do what he says. You will bow your heart to what he says is good for you. And you will avoid to do the things he says are bad for you. 
Because we've already laid that foundation. God is God and you are not. (laughs) He gets to call the shots and you don't. Now, there's a lie out there in the Western church. It happens to be in the Western church again called hyper grace. And it's this idea that you can live however you want. You prayed the prayer of salvation. You got your ticket to heaven. There's nothing you can do to, to, to fall away or lose that ticket or whatever. What I'm telling you is that if you rebel against what you know is right, there is no grace for you. If there's no repentance in your life, there is no grace for you. Grace is for those who love the Lord. Grace is for those who love the Lord. God is God, and you are not. A.W. Tozer says this, To escape the error of salvation by works, we have fallen into the opposite error of salvation without obedience. Because we need both. We do not believe in a work salvation, but we also don't believe in a salvation without obedience. No, you can't live life however you want. Ashley alluded to this a few weeks ago, if you remember. But she talked about holiness. You are called to be set apart. You are called to live a holy life. And this can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you fall over and over again. Can I tell you, you're trying to do it on your own strength, and that's why. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to do this for you, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) That's all I can say about that. You see, this is what God is concerned about. He is concerned about whether you are obeying Him or not. He isn't so much concerned about you fulfilling some calling in life. He is concerned about your heart. Will you continue to rebel against God or will you bow to the King? Now, Jesus has a lot to say to us here, for for those of us here that love Him and do strive to keep His commandments and live a holy life. You see, the Bible tells us what we are supposed to be doing with our lives. It's not a secret. The Bible is very clear. For you Christians here that love the Lord, that are not in rebellion, Jesus has everything to say to you about your life. Um, When I was a young Christian, I didn't realize that God's calling, God's commandments are right here in the book. I want to do a little exercise real quick, but we believe in four Gospels, right? You guys know what those are, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Did you say Thomas? Okay. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. This is really cool. At the end of each gospel, every single one of those four gospels ends with a commandment of Jesus. He ends each of his gospels with a commandment of Jesus. I want to put these up here real quick. The end of the book of Matthew, the first gospel, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, obey there? That's pretty cool. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's how Matthew ends his gospel. Do you know how Mark ends his gospel? Mark ends his gospel like this. Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's a commandment to Jesus' followers. The, do you know how Luke ends his gospel? This is, how, this is what Jesus says at the end of Luke. He says this, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you, 
what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus ends the Gospel of Luke by saying, wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a commandment, to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know how John ends his Gospel? John's an incredible Gospel, but this is how John ends his Gospel. Uh, John 21, 20 through 23. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved him and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want to remain until I come, what is that to you? John ends his gospel by saying, but Jesus ends John's gospel by, by saying, keep doing what you're doing. Follow me until I return. What's it to you what this person does or that person does? You do what I told you to do and keep doing it till I return. So if we were to put all four of those statements into one thing, what is Jesus telling his church? Jesus is telling his church to go make disciples, preach the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit until I return. That is our commandment. It's very simple. Uh, Duncan, am I in the will of God? Well, there's your test. <laughs> Lord, am I, uh, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Well, there's your answer. <laughs> if you aren't doing this, you are outside of what God has commanded you to. Now, I'm speaking to you as if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, this is foreign to you. And you need to go back to Mark 1. Repent and believe the gospel. Okay. You see, a, a, this command can be followed no matter what you choose to do with your life. The question is, can you be a doctor and make disciples? Of course you can. If, if you want to be a famous musician, can you be a famous musician and preach the gospel? Of course you can. If you want to be a teacher, can you be a teacher and be empowered by the Holy Spirit? You better believe it. If you want to be a nurse, can you be obedient to Jesus' command until he returns? Of course you can. Do you see how Jesus is not so much concerned with this calling? He's more concerned with the commandments he's already given you. Okay, we have to, I'm sorry, I went long. We have to keep moving for the sake of time. I know I'm losing your attention. Do I still have your attention? All right. All right. So first, we said this. Humility is a sober sense of reality. God is God and I am not. Second, we said this. It is healthy to bow to Jesus. Stop looking for your calling and obey God. Now, third and lastly, if you're a tattoo person, great tattoo. Number three is this, it is healthy to bow to others. It is healthy to bow to others. You can also write this down, what is God doing in those around me? What is God doing in those around me? We started out tonight by looking at 1 Samuel 24, and you remember that evil King Saul was hunting David because David was a threat to his throne. And you remember in a moment where Saul could have been killed by David, David had the opportunity to murder Saul and take his rightful throne, and yet he did not, and he allowed God to make his plans. Um, remember, at this point in the story we read, David had already been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. So it makes perfectly logical sense, like, well, let's just end this guy. Let's get him out of here. He's, he's a turd, like... He, like, if you read some of the stuff that Saul did, he was a turd. 
Like at the end of 1 Samuel, at the beginning of 2 Samuel, we see the death of Saul. And, and Saul is such a coward that he ends up falling on his own sword. And in battle, he's like afraid. Right? He's not a good king. And David knows this. But yet David did not choose to do his own plans. Now, um, theologically, there's a lot to say about kings and those in power in our government. Um, did God anoint Saul knowing Saul would become evil? The answer is undoubtedly yes. Did God make a mistake by anointing Saul? The answer is undoubtedly no. But the Bible is very clear on how we should see those in power above us in government. Now, this is a hard teaching, so bear with me. Romans 13, put this up there. Romans 13 says this. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has oppressed the ordinance of God. And they, are, they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Wow. That's hard to swallow. See, it's very obvious that we are called to honor and respect the offices of our government. Because the Bible makes it clear that those offices were ordained by God. Scripture teaches that in those governing authorities that are in our lives, they were placed there by God himself. And whether you like it or not, we are called to submit ourselves to those governing authorities. We see that in verse 1, don't we? However, and this is a huge however, we are not called to blindly obey our governing authorities. We are called to submit ourselves to the governing authorities. And there is a huge difference between obedience and submission. A huge difference, and we need to talk about that. Remember, the point we just, point two was obey God. Obedience to God. But point three is submission to others. Submission to others. So, let's talk about this. It's healthy to bow to others. Let's put this up there. Submission is simply this. To submit to somebody is to recognize Christ at work in them and bowing to him in their life. That's submission. To submit to somebody is to recognize that God is at work in them. And when you submit yourself to that person, you aren't necessarily submitting to the person themselves. You are submitting to Christ in them. Does that make sense? Submission, you can put this up there too. I think this is up there. Submission is not blind obedience. Submission is willful bowing to Christ in someone's life. So I want to make something very clear. We as Christians are not called to blindly obey our governing authorities. That's not what Scripture says. And I think it's very relevant to what's going on in our nation right now. I'm not making a political statement. I'm just simply saying we're not called to blindly obey whatever our governing bodies say. We're called to submit or recognize Christ's authority in them. There's a big difference. It's like this. I'm not a huge fan of Joe Biden. I don't think that's a secret, okay? I'm not going to tell you why. You can ask me in private. I'm just not a fan. But if he walked in here tonight, I would honor the man because of the office he holds. Because the office was ordained by God. This is what Scripture teaches, right? And I wouldn't start 
cussing at him or something, right? (laughs) I would honor the man because of the office that he holds. Now, if he came up here and started telling me to obey him or something, I probably wouldn't because most of what's come out of his mouth has been evil. Ooh. But what I am saying is this. I would honor the man because, I, because he holds the office. Okay? I would probably tell him to repent and believe the gospel, to be honest, because I love him as a person. Right? Um, in Acts chapter 5, the early Christians were faced with this. You see, after the resurrection of Christ and the sending of the Holy Spirit, the disciples started to flip the world upside down. Because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember the end of the book of Luke. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel to everyone. And the Jews who were sitting in authority had a problem with this. Because not only were they they preaching the gospel, but they were also blaming the Jews for killing Christ. And the Jews had a problem with that. So I want to read these verses because this gives us a great depiction between submission and obedience. Because those are two different things. Verse 26, the captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priests confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him. Talking about Jesus. And you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter... And the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey Him. Do you see how although the ruling authorities, the office that was ordained by God, the people who happened to hold the office were abusing it. And they said, stop preaching Jesus! And what did they say? We must obey God rather than man. Now, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but let me just say to you, we recognize the authority that the government has because it's ordained by God. But that doesn't mean we blindly obey it. Okay? This is what gave rise to Nazi Germany. They blindly obeyed their government. And they had a misunderstanding of submission. Um, holy rebellion is a thing, by the way. I'll, I'll end there. Now, we're talking about submission, and and I really want to drive home with this. It is healthy to bow to others. And when we bow to others, we ask ourselves this question. What is God doing in my brother or my sister, and how can I honor that? What is God doing in my brother or my sister, and how can I lift that up? As Christians, we are called to have spiritual authority. We are called to have spiritual authority over us. As Christians, we are called to be under spiritual authority. Now, unfortunately, spiritual authority has been abused. There are evil pastors that have abused spiritual authority. They have a misunderstanding of this. And they've asked their congregations to blindly obey them instead of submitting to them. 
right? And, and usually these pastors end up being cult leaders because they want their congregations to blindly obey them. But that isn't what God has called a pastor to do. A healthy understanding of spiritual authority will make us a dangerous force for good. So, to understand spiritual authority, we ask this. Who is God using and how can I bow to them? Another way of saying it is this. Who is God using and how can I serve Christ in them? Who is God using and how can I serve Christ in them? So one example is your pastor. If you've got a home church and you've got a pastor, he has spiritual authority over you. That doesn't mean you blindly obey him. It means that you recognize Christ in him. It means that Christ has a calling on his life and you recognize it and you decide to serve Christ in him. Right? Does that make sense? That's what spiritual authority is. And by the way, your pastor doesn't have to be smarter than you to be your pastor. Your pastor doesn't have to be older than you to be your pastor. Your pastor doesn't have to have been a Christian longer than you to be your pastor. To, be, to hold the position of pastor just means that God has raised him up to do it, and you recognize Christ in that person. Right? I mean, he's, he's called to preach the gospel. He's called to witness to the community, to feed the hungry. He's got a lot on his shoulders. And you, even if you may, may be older than him, more experienced than him, smarter than him, you can still be submitted to him because you're submitted to Christ in him. This also goes for our small group leaders in Chi Alpha. We've got some incredible small group leaders. I hope you're, yeah. I hope you're, an you're in an incredible small group. And I want to ask you, will you submit to your small group leader? It doesn't mean you blindly obey them. It means you're submitting to Christ in them. It, they may not be smarter than you. They may not have been a Christian as long as you. Maybe they don't understand certain theological concepts better than you. But that doesn't mean you can't submit to Christ in them. That's what spiritual authority is. We can bow our hearts to what Christ is doing in somebody else. And by the way, authority is not just in those above you. Authority is also in those around you. If God is raising up a peer, a brother and sister in Christ, can you bow to God in them as well? For example, I want to use Sadie as an example. How many of y'all went to that worship night on Tuesday? Yeah, pretty awesome. Heard it was great. I was at home preparing for this sermon or else I would have come. But uh, Sadie just one day felt like the Lord was saying we should do a worship night. We should do a worship night. Now, in that moment, I, I, you guys, I'm the director of Chi Alpha here. I could have in that moment said, okay, Sadie, well, it looks like I got to do something now. It looks like I got to um, lead this worship night. I got to take control. I got to make sure everything happens correctly. I guess I got to lead worship since I'm the leader after all, right? No, that's not what I did. Because in that moment, I recognized that God was using Sadie to put on a worship night. And my heart bowed to Christ in her and gave her authority to lead that night. Does that make sense? If God is raising up a brother or sister to do something for the Lord, can you bow your heart 
to Christ in them and submit to that. Um, authority is not just in those above you. Authority is also in those around you. I may be more qualified. I may have more experience. I may be more educated in leading a worship night. However, God raised up Sadie to do it, so she had the authority, and I recognize that. All right, worship team, y'all come back up. Now, I want us to recognize something tonight. We started out tonight by talking about humility. Remember, humility is a sober sense of reality. God is God and I am not. Right, exactly. Submitting ourselves to one another is impossible if we are prideful. Submitting ourselves to one another is impossible if we are prideful. In the example that I use, instead of letting God use Sadie to put on a worship night, and I decided I'm more educated, I'm more experienced, right? I've done this longer than her. I should lead this thing. That's pride. And this, this, this honoring of one another cannot happen if that was my attitude. We must be humble. We must cast aside our narcissism. We must cast out our pride in order to bow to one another. Um, the director of Chi Alpha at Sam Houston State, his name is Jason Bell, and he said this, you put this up there, who you serve determines who you become. It isn't about asking God, what's my calling or what's my platform? It's about asking God, who have you given a platform to and how can I honor that person? You see, we're not called to compete with each other we're not supposed to be jealous of one another. Instead, we are instructed to submit ourselves one to another. Uh, last night, uh, O'Burke came over. Y'all, y'all love O'Burke? Man, I love O'Burke. Um, he came over and he had dinner with my family, and we talked about some really deep stuff, and it was really great. I had an awesome time. Now, this is what's really cool. I'm grateful for my brotherhood that I have with O'Burke. You see, Oberk and I don't have to agree on everything to be brothers. I can still recognize Christ at work in his life, even if I don't agree with everything. So please, like, we, we are a diverse community. We come from all different backgrounds in the church. And we, if we can recognize Christ at work in each other, we're going to be dangerous. Um, I want to end tonight. Actually, let's all stand up. I want to end tonight with, um, with Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, I think, sums this up perfectly. So, um, so, so pay attention, and you could read along with me. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says this. Therefore, if anyone... Sorry, therefore, if, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow to those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, Jesus, sometimes, this is what Oberke and I were talking about last night, See, Jesus has this, this, this dual nature. He's human and he's God. He's fully human and he's fully God. And sometimes people say, well, if Jesus was fully God, why did he submit himself to the Father? Is he lower than the Father? Is he less God of the, than the Father? No. Jesus, the human Jesus, must submit himself to the Father. He must be obedient to the Father. And we see Jesus' humility in submitting to the Father. Kyle Volkmer, he's going to be our um, mission speaker. Do not miss, miss, miss Missions Week. It's going to be incredible. And you're going to get told to go somewhere on a mission trip. It's going to be awesome. But Kyle Volkmer, he said this, God has placed all authority in our lives sovereignly. To understand this great truth is to walk in humility toward our leaders, our bosses, our pastors, our parents, and our mentors. Remember, we don't have to submit to authority. We get to. So I want to respond tonight in a different kind of way. There's a few groups of people in this room. First of all, if you are not a Christian, if you are not a believer in Jesus, maybe you've been faking it or something, God knows. He knows where your heart is. You can't hide that from the Lord. Tonight, if you know that you have been a rebel, not messing up, but a rebel against what God has said is right, tonight's the night to get right with Jesus. Just stop rebelling. Repent and believe the gospel. Let tonight be that night that you start your journey with Jesus, okay? That's number one. Number two, for those of you that are Christians, I want us to practice spiritual authority. I'm going to ask Peter to just play a little bit of, of music. We're not going to go back into worship yet, but I want you to spend a couple minutes doing this. I want you to, if you're, if you're a Christian, I want you to find someone in this room who you recognize Christ is using them. And I want you to honor that person and say, I recognize Christ in you. If it's your small group leader, I want you to tell them, I'm willing to follow you. Not, not blindly obey you, but to follow you in submission because Christ is at work in you. Or maybe it's a peer, maybe it's a brother or sister, and you recognize Christ at work in them, I want you to honor that person, okay? We're going to spend a couple minutes, and then we'll go back into worship, okay? I'm going to pray, and then you're released to do that for a couple minutes. Father, we love you. We are so grateful for Jesus. We are so grateful for the cross. There is no other way we are saved. Jesus, you took on our sin. You took on our shame. And it was nailed on the cross with you. And you died the death that we deserve. And you, you were raised to life again. And through you, we now have new life. And I pray tonight, God, that you would open the eyes of those here tonight that are in rebellion. Those that are in rebellion tonight, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict, that you would open their eyes and they would repent and they would believe the gospel. 
Let tonight be that night, oh God. Lord, and I thank you for the spiritual authority you have put in our lives, both in our small group leaders and our peers. I pray, God, that you would help us to recognize that spiritual authority. Help us to honor one another correctly. Lord, help us to see you at work in others. Help us to put them before ourselves. Help us to not be so prideful. We love you, Jesus, and you're worthy of our praises. In your name we pray. Amen. So you're released to do that for a couple minutes, and then we'll get into worship, okay? For more information, please visit xaunc.com or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at xaunc, and you can find all of our content on YouTube by searching Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.